With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. There it is. That bass drops in. You know it's time for DLC. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Hey, usually this is where I talk about our geeks in sneaks, but I want to talk about, just for one second, our geeks in boots. Because we got a cool uh, review on iTunes this week from a geek in boots saying uh, he listens to the show while he's at work uh, on the construction site. Uh, thank you so much for that review on uh, on iTunes. That is uh, Fred Dingleberry. I don't know if that's your real name. I'm going to assume it's not. All right. It is time for DLC, your downloadable conversation for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Simple, Harry's, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's, uh, he's joining me on my new charity event, Games Done Extremely Slow, like, are you even going to ever finish it? Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Mr. Kanata. Quick up top mention, my album on iTunes and at CD Baby is now only $4.99. If you haven't picked it up, moment in time, it's on sale for just uh, 5 bucks. Speaking of ever, are you going to finish it? Um, how's Witcher 3 going? We can get to that later. Oh, we'll be talking about that a lot, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, if, if we're talking plugs at the top, if you're listening to this on Monday, Christian and I are going to be performing live tomorrow night if you're in los angeles at the nerd melt showroom it's an evening with christian spicer with special guest me um so it's going to be fun comedy we're going to be doing a live we have concerns anthony and i will be there christian will be doing stand-up uh and other really fun people will be there as well right christian true true kyle canane dean del rey uh it's going to be dope it is tuesday the 28th at 9 p.m at nerd melt if you're in la also we should say right at the top we are coming to pax prime we will be at PAX Prime. If you're going to be at PAX Prime, boy, we'd love to see you. We're going to be uh, having a live DLC panel. It's our very first ever live DLC panel. It's going to be awesome. Garnet Lee is going to be our guest. We may have some other surprise guests. It might be sort of a secret weekend confirmed reunion show. I don't know. Uh, but we're definitely going to be there. It's going to be a Saturday of PAX Prime at 1 p.m. So uh, if you're coming, we'd love to see you there. I think it's going to be a really fun, fun show. But we need to talk about today's show because uh, I'm excited about our guest. We, you know, people always ask me, what does DLC stands for? It's always your downloadable Kanata. It's always your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we're excited. DLC stands for Deep Leisure Time Criticism because we have a fantastic writer and critic 
who writes uh, really fascinating articles on video games and pop culture. I was almost going to go with Draw a Line to Clear because she's also a voice on the excellent Match 3 podcast. We have Ms. Gita Jackson with us. Welcome, Gita. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm super pumped to be here. Awesome. We're super pumped to have you. So many nice things. And now I feel like I have to live up to all the things you told a bunch of strangers about me. Yes. No, you absolutely do. There's a lot of pressure on you. So, uh, so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. No, I'm a big fan of Match 3. Um, it's a great, great show. And I'm a huge fan of your writing, man. Some fascinating stuff you've written in the past on a, a whole bunch of different sites. You're freelance, right? That's, that's yeah, full-time freelance. That's a choice I made that is either a great decision or a horrible mistake. And we'll find out soon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish you the best of luck with that. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, let's start the show now, as we usually do, with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLCSOTW. Or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, some fun stories this week. We had a uh, some some cool stuff happening, uh, including the the games done quick that I kind of referenced in the opening and QuakeCon and all kinds of stuff. Gita, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So, what would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, it's the one that I'm most hyped for, and it's the Hearthstone expansion that I'm I'm sort of just like mild, like kind of tip, dipping my toes back into playing Hearthstone again, which is like. Uh, so I, I dated someone that was really into magic, and I could mm-hmm. never like get into magic, and Hearthstone is the closest thing to magic that I can actually actively enjoy, because it, it's, a cute, it's just a cute, nice game. Um, and I like things that are cute and nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell that to my rage-quitting, uh, throwing my iPad across the room. Uh, sometimes it's not so cute and nice, but I, I totally agree with you. I think that they somehow did their Blizzard magic and turned... Uh, no pun intended, and turned Magic into this game that's super accessible to a lot of people that probably would never have played that game. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I, I play Hearthstone a lot more than I play Magic these days. But yeah, we heard uh, about this new big expansion called the Grand Tournament, uh, and it's going to focus on a lot of effects in the cards that will uh, enhance your, the hero powers of the various classes in the game and introduce mounts, which is a really cool idea. Uh, what is your take, Gita, on on some of the stuff that they're introducing and the, the aesthetic of the Grand Tournament? Well, what I really like is the ways that they're trying to enhance the hero powers with the uh, Inspire mechanic. Mm-hmm. I um, I watched one of the matches that they were doing during like the big announcement where someone actually won a... Um, they won a match by having enough characters so that Inspire boost to their hero... Um, to their hero power... Uh, so they could just spam it and they had were able to get fatal with like not very many cards on the board, just like two that wow. lowered the cost and then one that raised the um, the damage from that. They were playing a mage. And uh, that's really going to change a lot. It's going to change a lot of the game. It's going to be like a wild west out there for a little bit when these cards actually get released. I'm super. Yeah, yeah I want to see how the game changes with that. Yeah, I uh, I was noticing one of the cards, literally the, the card text says, replaces your hero power with a better one. 
<laughs> that's that's the extent of the description. It's like, oh, I I want a better one. Better sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's better be sounds really great. interesting. <laughs> um, so it's 132 new cards, just like the uh, Goblins versus Gnomes expansion. And um, the coolest thing I think that Blizzard has been doing with Hearthstone and with these expansions is that they announce them and then the next month they're out. Like there's no long wait. Uh, I think that they are rolling stuff out in such a smart way. It's, hey, we got this big announcement. All this cool stuff's coming and you're going to get it really soon. You can pre-order now, but you don't have long to wait. I think that's uh, – I think it's really smart and I think it, it – continues momentum in a, a game that is a ton of momentum. Yeah. Christian, what, what you got, you got any thoughts on this? Well, I think what they're, what they're doing really right is, is what we're seeing more and more of is good free to play where they did some questionable stuff earlier. I think where people got concerned about paying for basically skins, you know, overlays for some of the characters. And what were those $10 or $20? It was kind of like, whoa, they're, okay, they made this really addictive, um, welcoming game, and now they're going for it, <laughs> right? Like, now they're going for the jugular. Here comes the cash cow. Um, but then right when they do something like that, they start doing things like this. You're like, oh, this, these are our friends again. This is, this is we love this. Uh, crap, I'm at 10% battery on my iPhone. Um, <laughs> but they, they do, they, it's really smart. Uh, the way they're releasing content for this game, like you said, Jeff, it's kind of like Crank, the first Crank, not the second Crank, where it's just constantly plugging in the heart, giving it a good jump start, and just when you think it's dead to you, they jolt you up again and you have a crazy car chase. That was a stretch of an analogy, but I just wanted to it mention really the, movie, the movie Crank. It really, really was. It was uh... You made it work. <laughs> I jumped yes. out of that analogy into the conversation. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very excited about this. More cards is good. And, and I think also another thing that I'm reminded of every time they introduce new mechanics for Hearthstone is how smart they're being about doubling down on what makes Hearthstone different than Magic, which is its interactivity, its digital nature. And, you know, you can't do some of the things they're doing in a physical form, or at least you could, but it would be very difficult. And the fact that you, you know, they can manipulate things, they can replace your powers, they can do stuff on the digital format so easily, and they're aware of that, and they're doubling down on that, and really differentiating Hearthstone, which is ostensibly a, a tabletop game, uh, from its tabletop counterparts by doing things that you just can't do in physical form. And, and I think you know, grand, uh, excuse me, the Grand Tournament is a great example of that. Um. Christian, how about you? What's your uh, what's your story of the week? Oh, there, I, it's a slow week, but I think there's some good stuff. For me, the biggest thing is the news of Doom's multiplayer mode. Um, it was debuted at QuakeCon, and it sounds crazy in all the right ways that I think Doom multiplayer could be. Um, a few of the basics, it's, it's really going for movement. They want the player to be moving as fast and as much as possible. Enemies that you kill drop health and armor, so... You know, you can't just find your spot and, and kind of camp. It, it forces you to go out into the map to where you down somebody to pick up their loot, so to speak. Um, and one weapon in your loadout becomes more powerful the more you move around, which I think is pretty cool, right? I mean, it really rewards movement and gets rid of camping and sniping. It. I almost wish that this was Quake, because to me, it's just a name, but to me, Quake is always more synonymous with crazy fast multiplayer than doom but i mean it's still id i think this sounds awesome i think it sounds 
fresh and inventive. And, and I love things like, um, you know, the original Halo and, and the games of that ilk where the rocket launcher spawned in the middle of the map or in Halo 1 Longest where everybody's making a dash for that invisibility or the shotgun and it creates these choke points um, and other modes in Call of Duty and stuff certainly do that too. But I like someone thinking, I wouldn't say this is thinking outside the box, but they're thinking how much can we shake this box up to create an awesome multiplayer experience? Is this something that gets you, uh, are, Gita, are you a, a multiplayer fan? Gita, is this something that uh, gets you excited for Doom or is it kind of more of the same in a I- bad way? don't really like shooters and I don't like multiplayer games at all. So this sounds like one of the circles of hell for me. <laughs> well, that's a doom supposed <laughs> well, be to be, so perfect. Thematically appropriate, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, I think Doom is really interesting um, due to the context of the history of games. And I also really like their uh, super blatantly like derivative monster design and stuff. Like it's a, a game that you, it's one of those few games that is as old as it is where you can really legitimately tell it's like it has an author. And I think all of that is interesting about Doom. But when you get into actually playing Doom, I'm like, maybe maybe I'll just watch someone else play it for a little bit. <laughs> like, I, it seems like a panic attack waiting, for, waiting to happen. I'm a very nervous person. <laughs> Not, are, you, well. are you jazzed? Will this get you into some multiplayer first person action or is this something different? Dude. I I seem to remember. Am I remembering this incorrectly? I seem to remember in our uh, E3 Part One episode this year, you being the one who was down on Doom, and me being the one who was already excited about it just from the debut at the Bethesda conference. No, Am I was I excited about. That? I thought no, you are misremembering that. I, well, someone will pull the. I, I I think it showed really well. I was curious how they would pull off a multiplayer Doom. Um, I think I think they even the single player stuff. I think they did what they needed Doom to be. It's gorgeous and gory and not being overly complex with some convoluted plot and i think when they showed hell that was pretty cool and now i think what they're doing with multiplayer is kind of along the same lines of it's what you'd expect but you know mix it up a little bit well a lot of what they're saying a lot of the messaging coming out uh, of QuakeCon is that this is what we're showing right now for the alpha but a lot of what we have to show to come is going to be not what you expect. Is going to be a lot of uh, fresh take and uh, ways that are, they're going to change things up. And we're just kind of just showing you the vanilla bare minimum right now, uh, which I find very interesting. And and certainly with what they're showing with, um, oh gosh, I forget the name of it, but their their crazy editor that they showed uh, at E three. Oh yeah whatever that's called the, you know, where you get to basically create your own game modes and do whatever you want and build your own levels and all that stuff. I think that's going to create a lot of replayability uh, to answer your question in a very roundabout way. Yeah. I think this looks awesome. I mean, I thought doom looked awesome when they debuted it. I was really pumped about it. And people are like, Oh, yawn. It's, it's uh you know, it's this old IP that really isn't updated. I don't know. I think this is, I think this is a cool throwback to, to old style gaming and, and the way everyone keeps talking about the speed of the multiplayer, all the reports from QuakeCon are like, Oh my gosh, it feels so fast. And they're shooting for 1080p 60 frames per second. Like I think this is going to be a real wild and wacky throwback to those old games like Quake uh, and, you know, unreal tournament and stuff that, that we played when we were kids, but that, you know, still, they don't really they don't really have anymore. I mean, I don't think Call of Duty is that really, um, and everything has sort of taken on the Call of Duty template. 
Um, so I, I am excited about it. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, you know, I'm with you, Gita. I'm not really much of a first-person shooter multiplayer guy, um, but I'm, I'm waiting for that game. Like I think Overwatch and and this will, you know, might make me jump back into playing those kinds of games. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually I wrote this really long thing for a book called Shooter about my brother who was once uh, like a like above average Counter Strike player uh, all throughout high school, and then he went to college and just completely stopped playing games entirely. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about talking to him about why he stopped playing games. And I am really interested in like a new Doom coming out because I want to understand the things he experienced and like the problem with actually just playing those old games is now they're kind of incomprehensible to, like, a modern player. Like, you're totally right. Things like Doom don't really exist anymore. And I want to be able to see it in, like, a comprehensible way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be really interesting to see if it gets uh, embraced by people or, or if the multiplayer is a, is a side note to the sort of traditional Doom single-player stuff. But yeah. I think they're doing all the right things. They're certainly showing it in all the right ways and... and well, it's a smart team too. behind it, so fingers crossed. For sure. Um, boy, I'm conflicted on my on my story of the week. I'm a, I'm tempted to just go with summer d- games done quick because I do want to talk to you guys about that. But I think my favorite story of this week is the fact that uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic two got this massive patch, and this game is ten years old, and you can buy it on Steam for like less than ten dollars. Who's still working on this game? I, I think this is the coolest thing that that there is a, still a team of people, however small, updating KOTOR 2 to to be a modern game, to add achievements through uh, through Steam, to have Steam cloud saves, to have resolution support for up to 4K and 5K displays, to support for controllers, Steam Workshop support, all kinds of crazy stuff added to a 10-year-old game that is kind of... I don't know. I don't imagine there's a large population of people playing it right now. Uh, I just love the fact that there's still enough people willing to put in a labor of love on an old game and and update it. Um, what do you think, Gita? Oh, I mean, I was, I I'm amazed that this happened. Uh, I'm also really really excited about it too. Um, I was hoping you'd want to talk about this one because I never got to play um, Night Seal Republic two when it was like everyone was like super hype about it. Cause I was, I'm 25 years old right now. I was a baby. I was 15 years old when it happened and I was playing, I was still, I think playing Pokemon on my Game Boy uh, and running <laughs> through the batteries really fast when this was, this was going on. Um, that. Yeah. I mean, it's every, literally every person I know that is my age has this, that exact same experience of being like, <laughs> maybe I should stop playing Pokemon on the Game Boy, but maybe I should just continue doing this. Um, <laughs> And, uh, God, this, uh, like, again, like what we were just talking about it with, or what I was just talking about with Doom, like I, to be able to have a chance to play this game and like get it, uh, is fast. Like, that's so great. I'm so excited. It seemed like something I'd be really into. And now I sort of get to have the same experience that people that were older than me did, you know, it's like being able to, you know, it's like impossible a lot of times. Like you can't go back and just like watch like classic movies, in the same way that you can play classic games or the opposite. Pretend I said that in the opposite order, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just hard to understand old games in the same. You can understand like classic literature. See Christian. Now Gita can understand what it's like to be old. Like us. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I think what happened here, though, is that some team was really proud and they walked over to EA and they were like, look, we created this great new addition to the old Republic. And then EA looked at it and they were like, uh, dude, you built this on KOTOR 2. And they were like, son of a... Oh. <laughs> Oops. Yes, we'll just put it out. And it was too late. <laughs> we really should name things better. Yeah, it's they're the like... It's confusion. Yeah, they're like, a Star Wars, the old Republic... T- oh, damn it! <laughs> uh, there's but, a know, gag... We, Sorry, no, I was just going to tell a joke so you can say Do something it, please, serious. No, please, okay. that's all um, we exist for on this show. <laughs> Fair enough, it is a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a gag on um, the new season of BoJack Horseman where a character has just woken up from a 10-year coma and they keep making, like, not understanding anything that's happened for the past 10 years. And I just wonder if it's, if it's like, just that exact situation where someone woke up for it from a 10-year coma and they gave them their job back right away. And they're like, well, I've got this massive update for Knights of the Old Republic to push out. Might as well do it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Or it's just one guy who's been slaving away for 10 years on it. He's like, guys, I finished that assignment. And they're like, wait, you still work here? <laughs> my stapler. Have you seen my stapler? <laughs> yeah. Um I think that actually makes a great transition to talking about uh, Summer Games Done Quick because um, it's kind of what you were talking about, Gita, with the fact that, you know, watching old games or or in comparison to watching old movies, you know, it, it's experiencing older things is different across those two mediums. But I found myself falling down a deep rabbit hole last night. Uh, and this is just the beginning as we have a whole week of Summer da- Games Done Quick. And if people don't know what that is... Uh, it's pretty cool. If you think of esports as like the um, NBA Finals or something, uh, then I guess games done quick would be like the All Star Game or like the you know the dunk challenge or the three point contest. It's just kind of gamers showing off what they can do and trying to do games quicker and find exploits and do, you know, find glitches and things that allow them to get through the game more efficiently or do things that weren't initially planned by the game developers. And my goodness, is it entertaining? Um, I found myself staying up way past my bedtime last night, watching the Twitch stream of resident evil four done quick, uh, which was extraordinary. And the coolest thing about this event well, the coolest thing about the event is that it's for charity. They're raising money for Doctors Without Borders, um, which is fantastic. So you can watch their stuff and go to gamesdonequick.com and donate for uh, Doctors Without Borders. They've already raised over $100,000, which is fantastic. Uh, but I, I think the coolest thing about the the structure of it is that you have these people who have devoted countless hours to mastering some of the most obscure, strange games or I mean, there are some mainstream games too, but but doing things in games and playing these games thousands of times over and over and over in, in ways that the designers never intended, and they are describing their experience as they go through it. They're doing things that would have taken, you know, would have been impossible to me to do, just sort of mindlessly going through and and you know zooming through games that are extraordinarily difficult and talking their way through it too so that you get some insight into how they did it or how this this thing was discovered or oh my gosh there's only one frame in the next sequence where i have to jump over here and it glitches out and then i fall through the geometry and i can walk through and it's like it's it's amazing it's amazing um did you watch any of this Gita? I uh, had a friend visiting this weekend, so I was like looking at my Twitter and being knowing that this was happening, and somehow like feeling bad that I wasn't watching Summer Games done qu- done quick 
instead of, you know, and as opposed to going out and drinking too much with my friend who was only there for the weekend. But like, I, I think it was Cameron Kunzelman, who was also like another really good freelance writer who tweeted something like, I, um, it's amazing that the only way you can get any kind of like feeling of speed out of, um, sonic boom rise of lyric is by breaking the game wide open. And in that moment, I was just like, why am I not watching this right now? Cause that sounds amazing. I speedrunners are incredible to me. I love them. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I think uh, Jackals in the chat here makes an interesting point. He says that it's more like the Olympics, uh, which, you know, I think that's a fair analogy as well. I just think that the the sort of trick shot nature of it is what is so appealing to me. I, I love the speed runs and trying to beat the fastest time, but that's to me is not even the hook. The hook is like it, the details of how they're beating those times by doing these insanely strange things, um, you know, jumping backwards through a level because the back dash is the fastest method or figuring out, you know, there's a one pixel in this one room that I can glitch it out. All of that. Yeah. That stuff to me is like, I get so fascinated by people that can look at something that presents you a narrative puzzle and they see like a logic and programming puzzle and they just take the entire game apart. And that like, they know these games inside and out, like the physicality of them. And I just like, I want to know how their brains work. And this is the closest thing I'll be able to get to, like, living inside their head. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exodus in the chat says he still can't get into watching other people play games, which is something I, I understand. But I think if there's anything that will get you to understand it, it's watching games done quick. I And this is just the beginning. We got a whole week of this. All week long, they're going to be doing all kinds of crazy games. And you'll find yourself, I would predict, you'll find yourself watching some bizarre game you've never heard of. This morning, I, I was watching um, this Mallard game. That is an old uh, SNES side-scrolling, like insanely difficult game. And just the level of skill that people have reached on games that are no one plays. No one plays it except these two dudes who've played it like 2,000 times and know every single moment of every single thing. It's crazy. Yeah, someone's doing a run of uh, Stranglehold, that John Woo-inspired game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. that's happening tonight. So I'm definitely going to tune in for that one. Christian, what's your take on this? It's done really, really well. I haven't watched any this year. Um, I always do enjoy sitting down. I think my favorites are, like you said, Jeff, the more obscure game Strangleheld I think will be fun. It, it's it's crazy, and it highlights um, a dedication and an awareness of games that so many gamers that would call themselves gamers or hardcore gamers don't have or appreciate. It's like, you know your mom or you guys sit down at dinner and you drink wine or whatever. And then your wine friend comes over and is like, there's the cherries. And you're like, what are you talking about? I, I, I see none of this in this thing. It's like, here's this exploit, this loop to this, the thing to that. And it's, I love, I love deep dives of things. I love deep cuts on albums. I love quirks and weird glitches that I never noticed. Um, it's super cool. And the coolest thing is that they keep doing it with newer games. It's not as if, you know, this died with Mario 3 and the whistle. Uh, <laughs> there's things that make games so much more complex than any achievement or any run-of-the-mill person like me would ever notice. And it's really cool to see people that appreciate that and use it for um, entertainment, really, because it's really fun and a great cause. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a perfect, uh, perfect mix. It really is. It really is. Uh, speaking of perfect mixes, we have to thank our first sponsor, and that is simple.com man let me tell you a little story my wife uh my wife uh she is 
she has the worst luck with banks. I don't know what it is. I won't mention the specific bank that she has been using, but she gets feed like crazy. She always has fees. They always have problems. There's always a delay in, in, in this or that that causes her to get a late fee for this or that. It is a nightmare. I swear, once a month, she's on the phone yelling at them. And I told her I was so glad that Simple.com has sponsored our show because I'm converting her over to Simple.com because Simple.com is online banking and it really lives up to its name because it's so simple. They have no fees right off the top, zero fees. You worried about having a fee? You think there's a fee for something? No fees at all. No fees for ATMs. They have uh, 55,000 fee-free ATMs across the country. They have no fees for, for anything. Uh, there's no minimum requirements. There's no account maintenance fees, no ATM fees, nothing. So right there, it's online banking superior to her experience, but it also has lots of really cool tools. There's uh, an app on your phone that lets you create budgeting really easily, very simply, and create buckets for yourself. So let's say, we talked about this last week, but let's say uh, we're saving up for a game like I want to get Rise of the Tomb Raider when it comes out. So I can create a little uh, bucket on my uh, on my simple app that tells me how much I put in how much that game is going to cost and when it's going to come out. And then Simple does all the math and tells me what I need to save every day in order to buy that game when it comes out. So it, you know, it keeps track of all my spending. I can tell it all of my monthly fees, all of my monthly um uh not fees, but um uh, utilities and stuff like that. So any money that goes out, it'll keep track of all that. It'll build in my the savings for the video game that I want to buy. And then it gives me a number that's safe to spend. So I know how much uh, extra room I have so I won't ever be strapped or wonder, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to afford this thing I want or not? It's great. You know how much you can safely spend today without hurting yourself tomorrow is what they say. and that, And that's really cool. This is something I want you guys to try out because I don't think enough people think about the bank that they use, and I think the big banks are stupid. So online banking is – I'm, I'm jumping on board. It's simple.com slash DLC is going to give you a, a way for them to know that, they, that you heard about it on our show, which is great. So go to simple.com slash DLC. Sign up now. You can bank wherever, whenever you want. It's all online, and uh, you don't ever have fees. There's uh, – friendly customer support, real humans that pick up the phone and answer your, your chats. So you don't have to worry about going through menus and stuff. This is great. Simple.com slash DLC. Try it today. All right, guys. Um, you know, I want to hit on one other story before we move on to what we've been playing. And that is this um, anti-doping uh, policy that's starting with uh, the... ESL with the um, Electronic Sports League. So basically it's going to turn into – they're using the, the World Anti-Doping Agency in collaboration with the ESL is going to establish a series of tests that are going to start testing esports athletes the same way they test – uh, regular sports athletes or physical sports athletes, uh, which is really interesting. I guess this all started because there was a Counter-Strike um, tournament where this this 
moron, <laughs> Corey Semphis Friesen, I guess his name is. Uh, he said, yeah, we all use Adderall. I don't give an F. Yeah, we were all on Adderall. It was awesome. You could totally tell when we were talking. Uh, who cares? I don't care. So uh, I guess it turns out a lot of people care. Um, so the ESL says we're going to start uh, random drug testing. And uh, they, they don't know exactly the test, at, or at least they haven't announced exactly the test they're going to use, but they're collaborating with uh, real drug testers to go anti-PED and anti, um, um, you know, these, these other barbiturates that let you, uh, you know, ex- speed up your response time. Very interesting. Um, wh- wh- what do you think about this, Gita? I'm curious about your re- reaction. Um. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, when I read that, like, really long article from that Counter-Strike player about the usage, the rampant, apparent rampant usage of Adderall and other ADHD drugs in um, esports, like, my first reaction was, like, uh, mockery and laughing because it seems really silly. But I also, like, I went to a school that was, like, pretty, a college that was, like, pretty high pressure, um, like Oberlin's former motto was learning and labor. And it, that's still the attitude of the school, like pretty much like everybody was on Adderall and everyone had massive personality problems because they were taking Adderall when they didn't need it. So it's like kind of a bad thing to just do this recreationally. So I'm in favor of any kind of program that stops people from taking prescription pills and they don't need to. Do you think that um, in a way this, uh, I don't know. I think we're past legitimizing esports, so I don't even want to frame it that way. But there, there's something about the level of competition that people are turning to this kind of um, edge up, I guess. That... Yeah, I'm, I feel like there's an attitude, um, a lot of like younger, you know, older teens and people in their younger 20s where they, they really think, oh man, if I just uh, devote my entire life and everything I do. Sorry about that. A really loud siren going past my apartment. There's a fire station down the street. Um, but if they devote like all of themselves to this one thing, they're really going to make it like that's the age of people who still think they're like special in some way and chosen by the universe and will soon have their lives crushed. But, uh, it leads to making really short term decisions, like deciding to do a bunch of drugs. Because uh, they think they're invincible and it won't affect them, and that it's the one thing they need in order to be very easily and quickly rich and famous. Um, so. I'm sorry, I'm I'm bumping on one thing. Um, I'm not special. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you this way. When Actually, did you become? When did you become so jaded? You're 25. You're supposed to still think you're special. You have years of specialness ahead of you. Yeah, I leave the old guy stuff to the to old guys, Gita. yeah so i I quit my full-time job to write for a living and i had a really intense quarter life crisis so that's (laughs) what happened to me sad in return super real (laughs) oh man christian what 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 is your uh what's your take on this story um kudos i think to organizers for you know getting in front of a potential problem to some extent um you know whether or not they were aware of it before this um it became public or this this post became so shared it's kind of like the idea in baseball that you know steroid everybody knew they were doing it but baseball never got in front of it i think it's admirable to try to get in front of it and keep the sport clean as its popularity just continues to rise i think it would have stunk if you know things really took off and then you find out the best player in the world is only doing it because he's smuggling cocaine (laughs) or whatever you know whatever it is right some like horrible thing um, behind these tournaments that then hurt the popularity of gaming. 
So I think I think it's great. I, I think they're going to come into some tricky areas. Um, you know, the the former attorney in me, the antenna goes up with like, how do you do this? What is what are you allowed to have? What are you not allowed to have? Um, you know, doctor's notes, this, that, and the other. Um, medical records getting released. Are people willing not to HIPAA laws? Blah blah blah. I think there's a lot of technicalities that need to be worked out. But any time you create a level playing field for people, um, I think that's a good thing. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much covers. It. I think we're all in favor of this, and uh, you know, as as I start watching more and more esports, I take in with the level of commitment, the level of skill, the level of sportsmanship that is required, and and it, you know, it should be looked at in the same way any other competition is. Uh, with as you said, Christian, with an eye toward creating a level playing field. So, kudos to them for doing this, and really. Jackass, who wants to just say I don't give an F about uh, using this stuff. Like, I hope you're happy. You did this single-handedly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, guys. Let's move on now to uh, to the playlist. Uh, uh, it sounds like you have a pretty interesting game on your playlist. Uh, what is that? Okay, so um, a couple of my friends on Twitter, my friend Arden and um, my friend Ali West, they started playing this months ago. They started playing this Japanese rhythm game called Love Live, and it's the art. All they were posting screen caps and like tweeting nonstop about how obsessed they were with this game and like the different characters in the game. And I was like, well, this sounds cute. It's, you know, free to play. Uh, I can just grab it from my tablet and see how it goes. And like right around this time, I Arden had written a, um, a guide for the game so you could get into it more easily and like not get tripped up by the really clunky and not intuitive UI. Uh, but the subtitle for the, the love life beginner's guide is welcome to hell. Um, <laughs> Love Live is this game. Uh, it's part of like a th- multi-pronged like franchise. Uh, there's an anime. There's a console game that's uh, only out in Japan, and there is this iOS game which is available in America. And um, the conceit of the game is uh, that you are playing, trying to like ramp up the like pop idol music club at this high school by playing these really like not very difficult but really like addictive rhythm game segments with music that's featured on the show. Um, but in order to level people up, you have to sort of earn extra like trading cards of different really adorable anime girls. And then everyone describes it as you basically, you feed your, the girls that you don't want to the girls that you do want to make those girls more powerful. Uh, what? Yeah. So you get, so level people up, you go to like the practice screen. I'm making air quotes by hand, which I realize you can't see. So you go to the practice screen and you select a girl that you want to level up and then you select a bunch of girls that you don't want. And then when you practice them, those other girls disappear forever. They're just <laughs> gone. They've been fed <laughs> to a cute They've anime subsumed girl. Subsumed into the one most powerful girl. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's just you get into like that free to play cycle where you are timing your life around making sure you can get enough of like the prestige currency to farm before like 50 different girls or like uh, 11 different girls hoping you get like a super rare one um, and then otherwise like feeding all the rest of your girls to the girls you want to keep it's if you have a weakness for bad anime music like I do then it's an irresistible drug 
Um, I so was, you legit like it? You, you like would, not ironically? No, there's no. I don't ironically like anything. I'm like down to just be genuine about the things I really like. Uh, and yeah, I hadn't played for a couple of months, and then Arden tweeted a picture. They like show you their success rate, like after the end of a level. So she had gotten S rank on a song, and she had like mostly perfects, and then like a couple, a couple of good of uh, greats, and then one good. And if you get a good on a song, it breaks your combo. So you just, she just couldn't get a full combo. And she tweeted it with the caption: "This is what a ruined orgasm looks like." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn it, Arden, I guess I'm going to play this game again. And yeah, I'm, I'm deep in it. And that's all I've been playing. So uh, the, the, the music I'm guessing is all Japanese pop songs? Yeah, yeah. Like really cheesy Japanese pop songs too. I, I listen to a, a, a wide variety of Japanese pop music. And this is like, this is like uh, if you watched anime in the 90s and you downloaded all the image songs from the trends, like from the soundtracks, all the songs sound like that. So it, it's like a nostalgic place for me where I'm like suddenly 15 and watching a bootleg episode of Sailor Moon. Wow. I'm, I've looked this up on Google and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the images from it right now. It, the, the rhythm game portion, uh, it, it's just like tapping areas on the screen to the music, I, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like every yeah. Other rhythm game. Yeah. Yeah. You tap. It's like basically every other. It's not even super. It, there are very well-designed rhythm game levels where at certain points um, you'll feel you'll be lulled into a rhythm where you're like, I totally got this. And then suddenly like a million things will happen on the screen and you're like, I just failed the song. So it's uh, <laughs> challenging and fun and d- designed to make you spend a lot of money on the game, which I successfully have not. So, Oh, well, congratulations on that. Uh, so again, <laughs> this is called Love Live. And yeah. uh, you, it, it's available in iTunes? Yeah, it's available on iTunes. I also, a while back, got it for my uh, Nexus 7 tablet. So if you have an Android phone, you can play it too. Um, be careful if you start playing this game. Be <laughs> careful because you'll start feeding girls to other girls <laughs> downhill from there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> craziness. Um, wow. I, I love I love that. I just love these weird things I've never heard of. Um, Christian, what about you? What's on your What's on your playlist? So it's a perfect for me this week. My my trip into nostalgia lane. And now I don't know how I missed it, but it popped up in my uh, Steam sale feed. Um, and it's Not a Hero is the game. Not a Hero made by Roll7. They are the creators or developers behind Oli Oli, those uh, minimalist skateboarding games that are fantastic, I think, as well. And I guess it's coming to PlayStation 4 and Vita. It was shown at E3 2014, I think. It might have been at this year's, but I think they showed it at, at two years ago. Um, it's called Not a Hero, and it's a, you know, pixel graphic, retro-inspired, side-scroller, Gears of War, if that makes sense. It's kind of like um, a side-scrolling action game where every level you kind of feel like you're John McClane in Die Hard 1. Um, it has a silly plot where you're, you know, trying to help Bunny Lord win the mayoral election and things get crazy. But the basic gameplay is you're going through these skyscrapers trying to kill everyone, basically. Bad, bad guys, you're being told, uh, doing bad things to the city. But you can roll, shoot, and reload and hide behind cover. But uh, So it's, it has a Gears of War-esque, you know, that cover mechanic, pop out and shoot type thing. But it's a 2D plane only, really cool music and, and great graphics. And there are, oh, I forget. 
10 different characters that you kind of unlock, kind of in the vein of um, Hotline Miami, where each character will have different perks and attributes to them. So the one you start out with is a standard dude. I think he's an Australian accent pistol or whatever. The next guy I think is a shotgun, um, but he reloads slower. And then there's a guy who has an automatic and it's, um, it's really cool. If you like games like hotline Miami and you're okay with, you're not burnt out on pixel art or the kind of that retro inspired um, take on things. It is over the top gory kind of like hotline Miami is, which I, I want someone to do this style of game that kind of gets away from that. Cause I feel like we've seen enough of that. But it, it's cool. It also kind of reminds me a little bit of Cannibalt, um, that yeah. endless running that game. Endless where, yeah, because yeah, you can break through windows and then kind of come back in a window on another floor and take out dudes. And it starts out simple enough, but it, the levels start getting pretty crazy because the main objective is just get to the exit. But there's always sub-objectives like do four takedown kills or you know do an execution into a roll or don't get shot and things like that that make completing the game or each level more interesting much like ollie ollie did you ever did this game ever hit your radar jeff i think it came out in march or may maybe i don't know why i never i never noticed it until last week i think this is the game that i heard about through the fact that they um did they make a big deal i think this was the game where um with the whole goddess uh thing with um uh, molyneux uh they put the guy who was supposed to be in the game, he was supposed to be the god of goddess because he won the competition. And so not a hero said, well, if, if Malmue's got not going to do it, we'll put him in our game. Didn't they do oh, that? I don't like know. they made a pixel version of him and put them. I think that was that game. Um, but no, I haven't played it. I, I, I saw some videos of it being played and it certainly looks chaotic and crazy. Like the gunfire is like this wild spray around you, right? It's not, it, it doesn't look like the way most video games handle that. Uh, well, so there are traditional guns, um, you know, where you're shooting, but then there's also upgraded perks where, you know, a gun will have like a tracker or power or whatever, but you get into some levels where there are a bunch of dudes and you're rolling in and out of cover and it's, it's all simple, but complex kind of like a good bullet hell game is where when things starts getting crazy, it, <laughs> it really starts getting crazy. So the later levels, if you haven't kind of eased your way into them, um, are pretty insane. So that might have been what you were seeing. And it's Devolver yeah. Digital is the publisher and Roll7 is the developer. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. How, how did you uh, come across it and why did, why did you start playing it? Well, so I talked I talk about it last week. So I've been really, you know, getting into retro gaming again, re-getting into. And um, so I had the 8-Bito NES controller and then I took the plunge on the 8-Bito Super NES controller as well. It's a Chinese company and they make really, really good feeling recreations of these original controllers, but that are Bluetooth and also operate as a, a USB controller. So it's just kind of plug and play on on a PC. So I was going through you know, so my Steam library of games that I could play on a Super NES controller because, you know, why not? Let's have fun. <laughs> and then, it, you know, it, I added it to my wish list, you know, back, I don't know, months ago or whatever. And I was kind of peeking around. And it's like, hey, this game on your wish list is on sale for, I think it was $7. I don't know if it still is. And I was like, oh, I can play this with my Super NES controller. Done. <laughs> uh, and bought it on sale. I think it's normally 15. I think it was half price. And um, no regrets, man. It's, it's, we're in that kind of, you know, uh, winter is coming <laughs> in terms of game releases. But yeah. right now, people are still playing Witcher, 
Batman, which is great. But a game like this was a great uh, palate cleanse for me. Something I can just sit down and blast away and then dive back into those deeper experiences in my <laughs> pile of shame. Yeah, summer is like this magic time when there's not a lot of new stuff coming out, but you get to really finish out those games you've been playing. And I, I love that about about this season. <laughs> can, that's what I've been doing. Um, I have a bit of a confession to make to you, Christian. Uh, so we, you know, we're having uh, Greg Miller on the show in a few weeks, and I know he's this massive Batman fan. He keeps tweeting about Arkham Knight. You were talking about Arkham Knight. Everybody's in this love fest for Arkham Knight. I liked it fine. I got off playing it. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buckle down and like push through this game and finish it so we can have a fun spoiler-filled discussion when Greg's on. That'll be cool. I'm doing it. So I popped it back in, started playing. About an hour in, I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm done. And, uh, and, I, and it's not because I think that is a bad game. And I, I kept thinking to myself, you know, my job is to describe why I like or don't like something. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, I couldn't <laughs> put my finger on why I don't like this experience, why I don't want to be doing it. This game is very well made. It, it's beautiful. The story's cool. Uh, you know, I played an hour of it, but through the entire hour, it felt like a chore. I felt like I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be doing it. And I know I've said this before on the show, but I, I really feel like the best I can come up with as to why I don't like playing that game is I don't want to be in Gotham City. I just oh. don't like being there. Did you read Austin Walker for Giant Bomber a really good article about not liking the version of Gotham City that exists in um, Arkham, Arkham Knight? And I, no, I, I haven't read that like, yet. Oh, we should check it out because he really outlines the way that the game design just seems to like not make a real feeling city in a game where the focus is the fact that they make Gotham City. And I think right. that's like a huge problem with the game. Um, I wrote something also about just not liking those games in general, being a huge freaking nerd and just really liking Batman, like obscure Batman comics. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that's a huge problem with Arkham Knight that Gotham feels like a weird place to be and not an enjoyable place to be. Well, I, I want to point out real quick because in the chat room, Exodus and A7 are saying that it's because I'm a Marvel fan. And that's not the case. I love Batman. I love Batman. I love Superman. I like DC Heroes. I'm not that well, close-minded. You hate Batman? Did you say you hate, you hate Batman you, and Superman? You monster. Uh, come on, guys. Um, <laughs> just because I hate Batman. No. Um, <laughs> I, I love those games. I thought... Uh, I thought uh, the first Arkham game, Arkham Asylum, is you know I I loved that game. It was a it was a breath of fresh air. It completely created this new genre, really, uh, and I was a revolution in hand to hand combat and games. It was amazing. At this point, I think it, it just feels like it's in a rut, and I just don't like being in this in this place at night, constant night, constant darkness. And I think you're absolutely right, Gita, or the article you're citing is as well that. It is this uh, it, when it went to this big open world where I can fly anywhere, and everything is sort of just in this gothic paint job. It's just this one stroke of of gothic look, which is what Gotham City is, and and they can't not make it that. But it does. There's not enough interesting there. And then I went and I I jumped back into The Witcher Three this week because the new 1.07 patch is out, which is awesome, and I'll talk about in a second. But 
I was just reminded how much I love being in that world. I just, I love roaming around the Witcher world. I love stumbling on an amazing looking swamp or a cool climbing this mountain and and getting into snow-capped peaks or finding a cave somewhere and delving into it. The sense of discovery and everything is amazing. And in Batman, I'm just soaring over trying to get as quickly as I can to the next point that's hovering you know the next waypoint that's hovering on my screen and i'm flying there over this city that just seems monotonous and samey the whole time and when i'm driving through it i don't see anything um, can i you know can i jump try not to crash go ahead can i I jump in so i know defend it defend it no i'm not i'm going to tear you down um (laughs) 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 um one you started this by saying that we're going to have Greg on the show and he loves Batman. I love Batman. And so we are, you wanted to, to sit down and force yourself to play this game. And then later in your discussion of the game, you said it felt like a chore. Yeah. You previously said you were forcing yourself to sit down and play the game. That's a chore. Yeah, and but, so it's the wrong but place. But there's other times time. when I, there's other times when you sit down and you force yourself to do it, and then the game, you get swept up in it, and you're, now you're having fun. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember what's fun about this. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think the best thing for the way I can describe this is when I was in elementary school, everyone loved Vanilla Ice. And then we showed up one day, <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone hated Vanilla Ice. We just decided that Vanilla Ice— You can't relate to this. She was not alive. Okay, so we all I liked— I had just ba- been born. I was a baby. We, we, all, liked, we all liked Backstreet Boys better than NSYNC. And then we showed up one day and Gone came out and we realized that JT was the future and Backstreet Boys were no longer important and NSYNC was everything and then they broke up and they destroyed our childhood. That's a more modern example of Vanilla Ice. Um, And you're just in the wrong place for this game right now. And that's fine. You are currently interested in other things and you're also, you know, you're never going to like it and that's fine, but you're, you're playing it wrong and you're not far enough into it because... You're, oh, I got to get from this checkpoint to this checkpoint. You're describing again, going through it for the sake of beating it, where the side missions from that game unlock and you're not just going from point to point. In fact, when you select some of the side missions, there's no marker on your map to tell you where to go. You have to fly around and investigate. And, and you know, it's basic. It's not uh, a Sherlock Holmes game where you're, you know, really diving into clues or whatever, but there is no marker. You're, you can't just follow a beacon. And, as a comics nerd, the way it, you know, is a kind of a super story. I think I might have said this before. It's like a video game version of Hush, where it's like, hey, we're taking all of this canon that exists in this world and creating kind of an all-star Superman or Batman Hush version of it. And if you have ties to that world, it's going to resonate with you more. And I think you do, but you're also, aside from the game, I think burnt out on the seriousness of superheroes, which is why... Um, I think Ant-Man was something refreshing to you. It's a little different. I think you didn't like Man of Steel because of that. You liked Age of Ultron more than others because it took whimsy and without necessarily explaining it, but it was fun. And I think other people took it down, but you were like, this is fun. This is what you want. And you're burnt out on that dark, dire approach to superheroes. And that's fine. Yeah, but it's okay. Uh, fair enough. And I don't think any of that's wrong. And again, I don't think this is a bad game. Uh, although I will say that Juan Solo in the chat says, uh, Spicer, please, even without that mindset, the game is a major chore. It is not fun. So he agrees with me. 
Um, I don't think the game is not fun. I don't, and I don't begrudge anybody for not having fun with it. I don't think it's just the the sort of superhero ness of it. I think the superhero ness of it is is my favorite part. I love how Batmany it is, but I just I get keep coming back to the fact that the setting is indistinct and feels all painted with the same palette and uninteresting to me. Like the, the there is no for me, and I understand what you're saying about later missions being, uh, you know, investigatory and all that stuff. But for me, there's no sense of exploration. And I wish that they could figure out a way to make that a part of, of the Batman universe that I, I feel like I'm exploring Gotham in this, in the sense of, instead of just flying over it and listening to stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's okay. Sorry. No, I just, I think, um, for me, the problem is they created a Gotham where you don't understand why anyone would ever live in that city. I think most modern conceptions of what Gotham as a city is like are New York in the 80s. But New York in the 80s had the benefit of being New York City. Like we don't get any in-universe evidence that Gotham is other than just a sinking hellhole. So why would right. you spend time in that world? I just don't get it. Yeah, and they always have to start every game off uh, with a reason as to why all the citizens have left it's like oh by the way everybody took off there's no there's no innocence so blow up everything you want batman go crazy go nuts Um, yeah i don't know i mean i don't feel i don't dislike when heroes are dark but i think when it's like super contrived i just like i get a little eye roly i don't know um that was also my problem with man of steel which your problem is your eyes are rolling all over the place you got to keep them (laughs) Got to focus. Get glasses. I mean, I like I said, I, I recognize it's a it's a well constructed game, and I'm so happy that people are digging it. I just I'm confessing the fact that I'm not going to finish it in time for our episode, and I'm probably never going to play it again. <laughs> so, so and that's sounds okay. Like I've come a, to the point. Like we have a giveaway for Arkham Knight on PS4 coming up. Yeah, that sounds like exactly right. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I used to force myself to play things that I didn't want to play. And there's just too much great stuff to do that now. So I'm just I'm just going to come to terms with the things that I don't want to play and play the things I do want to play. Uh, which brings me to The Witcher, which I'll talk about in a second after we thank our second sponsor, which is Harry's. You know what Batman doesn't ever have to worry about? A clean shave. He probably uses harrys.com. I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. I mean, because the guy, the guy has an amazingly manicured face. I, you know, that's the reason why the cowl doesn't cover up the bottom half of his face. It's because he wants to show off that shave. And I bet he uses harrys.com because Harry's is a solution for terrible shaves. It's a solution for terrible buying of shaving products. Oh man, it's such a pain. You have to go into the drugstore. You have to get the guy to open the locked cabinet and get the shaving product. Ugh, it's annoying and it's expensive. But guess what? Harry's.com solved all that. You get a superior shave with premium blades that were made in their own factory in Germany. And they cut out the middleman and offer you a shave at a fraction of the price of drugstore brands. Their starter kit's only 15 bucks. That includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of shaving cream or foaming shave gel. I like the gel myself. Uh, as an added bonus, we're going to give you five bucks off 
All you have to do is use our promo code, which is DLC. That's pretty easy. So that means your starter kit, an entire month's worth of shaving, is just 10 bucks. Wow. You got to do that. So go to harrys.com and use our promo code DLC. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Put in that promo code DLC. Start saving. Start looking like Batman. That is all it takes to look like Batman, by the way. I have it on good authority that you will look exactly like Batman. All you need is a clean, close, comfortable (laughs) shave from harrys.com. So harrys.com, promo code DLC. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about the witcher uh first of all man talk about a company that is responsive that listens to people's complaints that 1.07 patch clears up even some of the most minor gripes uh i had for the game and i'm really kind of glad i took a break from the witcher and waited until that patch came out i didn't intentionally wait it just worked out that way but um the fact that they've added sorting abilities for the inventory, they've added stashes around the world so you can offload things, uh, they've added this cool pinning thing. So if you're looking for a specific set of ingredients for something, you can pin that, that recipe so that anytime you're in a shop, it'll show you the things that you need to buy for that recipe. They've added better horse uh, maneuverability. They've added a, a new control mechanic that makes Geralt more responsive in and of himself. Just so many l- cool, great, things that just make the game easier to play and i i love this game i love this game i'm back in it uh i've put many many hours in this weekend playing it and um the thing that's crazy is you know i'm such a weird ocd completionist gamer that you know i've i put 20 some odd hours into the witcher without ever entering into one of the larger cities and this weekend, I walked into the one of the big cities for the first time. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my, I've been roaming the countryside like a pauper. And, and look what's here. Look at this, this incredible. There's so much to discover. Uh, I'm constantly, you know, wandering around, finding cool stuff, delving into a dungeon, getting a bit of story. And I'm, I'm, I haven't even really been doing the main story stuff because I'm, I'm so concerned with clearing up all the question marks on my map. Uh, it, it it is such a joy and it's so beautiful. The world is so vibrant and interesting and different and the day night cycles and all of the things to discover and all the cool monsters to discover. There's just so much to it. It's such a massive game. And then on top of that, the great acting and storytelling and directing of all the cutscenes. Like anytime I'm in a, in a cutscene, it, it looks like a film rather than, you know, something like Dragon Age Inquisition, which is just sort of like static people talking. I don't know. I I don't know how anybody can not think this is game of the year so far. Even I know people love Batman, but man, Gita, is this uh, uh, the kind of game you would play, or have you had any experience with Witcher? Um, I mostly I it looks like a beautiful game, and I always want to give props to games that apparently have like really good writing because that's super rare. But I just like something about a sprawling fantasy epic, and my eyes completely glaze over. I'm like the kind of person that only likes the first like 45 minutes of the Lord of the Rings trilogy because I just want to watch hobbits doing nice things with each other. Uh, <laughs> you like the gardening, the gardening part of fantasy. Yeah. You know, I liked the Hobbit, the book where it's just about wacky adventures with Bilbo Baggins. That sounds nice. Um, <laughs> but I just, you know, it seems if this was, I think it's just a genre thing. I'm just not into fantasy. I really, really, really like science fiction and I, just have a mental block when it comes to fantasy stories. And I don't know what it is. 
probably just had read the worst books growing up. I think that's probably it, but I don't know. I, I feel I might be the opposite. This. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love science fiction for sure. And when I was a kid, I was all about science fiction, but as I've grown older, I've shifted more into preferring fantasy over sci-fi for settings. I, I just feel like it's harder to pull off good sci-fi. I'm, I'm not a fan of the mass effect games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I just feel like sci-fi too often feels, uh, it feels not not based in its present day. It's always talking about what happened before, which is weird because if like yeah. if you're talking about the future, don't tell me about the past of your future. Tell me about the present of your future. Yeah, um, I'd argue sci-fi yeah. is often dark and depressing, and you're not in that period right now, Jeff. I don't know. I think this goes back to Batman. This goes back to Batman to me. You're you, happy you, it's all about Batman for you, Christian. <laughs> it's all Batman. All Batman. For me, I just sort of like the uh, social commentary you can sometimes get in science fiction. Like I love Snow Crash. And I think that book is still like a pretty interesting like meditation on internet culture. And I, um, Friends at the Table this season is doing like, they're doing Mechnar. um, And they're creating all these really interesting characters that are sort of taking something that already exists and then ramping it up to the nth degree. I think my problem with fantasy settings is that a lot of the time you just see like Tolkien-esque, you know, races and characters. And that becomes just sort of like them re-explaining all these genre conventions that I get kind of bored of. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I'm definitely, uh, I think, you know, when you talk about something that is called fantasy, it, it conjures up, any kind of possibility there's anything is possible it's it's fantasy uh, but uh, too often i think they're they're shoehorned into this elves and gnomes and dwarves thing but uh, there are great examples uh the way of kings is a book uh, brendan sanderson's um stormlight archive uh is is a great example of a book that is not that at all he creates this amazing fictional world that has nothing to do with any of that stuff and really is fantastic um, so I, I highly recommend that to people, but I completely agree with you on that point, Gita. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Just, but also, we're on this uh, sidebar, how to train your dragon and how to train your, dra- train your dragon too, I think are some of the two best examples of that traditional dragon esque fantasy. And if you've slept on them because they're animated kids movies, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that's what I've been hearing. I really got to sit down. I got some laundry to fold. I can do that tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. Those are, those are amazing. Uh, but I would also give credit to the Witcher for being a fantasy that is very Tolkien inspired, but really carves out its own flavor. Um, the monsters in, in the Witcher are very different. The Witcher himself doesn't really fit into any of those molds. I mean, I guess he's sort of, um, Aragorn, but you know, but like, he, he's way more selfish. Yeah, and, and but like, and also that world just doesn't live by those rules. It, it the politics are different. The relationship between fantasy characters and and human characters is different. It's like it, it really has its own feel, and, and that's part of the thing I love the most about The Witcher is that world building that it does that's very different from any of the others. And just like your relationship with the build, world building is cool because you're um, at least in The Witcher Three, you're constantly like in and out of your um, your glossary, uh, your little Wikipedia thing to learn how to take down these monsters. And the way the game handles information as a, as a means of being more powerful is cool. Like for example, that 
glossary stuff, like finding out about monsters and preparing for them before you fight them, like knowing what oils to put on your sword and, and which potions to take before you get into a battle is big. But also in the context of quests, you can solve a whole number of quests very simply if you don't have a lot of information, but sometimes getting more information allows you to solve the quests in different unique ways. Like you can find out the motivations behind characters in the story-based quests, which reveals them to be not trustworthy or more trustworthy and influences how you handle the situation, which I think most games don't handle that in a, in a way that actually relies on your information, like the information that you investigated as a player. Usually it, it relies on that in a, in a more simplistic way. And I just, I give a lot of credit to the Witcher for being awesome like that. When they're doing a sci-fi game, steampunk or what? No. Um, yeah, they are cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so. really, really hyped for that because if cyberpunk 2077 is as mm-hmm. good as people say the Witcher is, then I'm going to lose all my friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one developer is going to give us that direct comparison, right? <laughs> Fantasy versus sci-fi go. The only pro, the only the good news is Gita that you'll just be able to feed one of your friends to the other of your friends and make them more powerful friends. <laughs> my friends will become more powerful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how life works, as I've learned from this Japanese anime game. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's move. I, I also have been playing a bunch of Card Hunter, which I talked about, and of course, Heroes of the Storm. But um, let's move on to our uh, Q's and A's. Uh, That's where listeners send us cues. And we give them A's. You can send in your cue to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, and we will A it to the best of our ability. This week's cue comes from uh, Athens, Georgia, from Lucas. Uh, he says he was bo- – he's another youngin like you, Gita. He says he was born in 1995, and so he wasn't really around for the Super Nintendo era as it happened. But he's experienced these games in a different way. He's played a lot of great games emulated on his first computer, which was this awful Windows 98 PC, including all of the Final Fantasies, both Secret of Mana 1 and the sequel, which was never released in the United States, and uh, the Mega Man X games. He said, but there's one game that would always stay with him growing up, and it always fascinated him with its tales of time travel, sacrifice frogs, and swords, and floating islands. The game was Chrono Trigger, and from the moment he saw, started it, he knew this game stood out somehow. He only made it through the first few chapters of the game, though. The emulator that he was using had this weird problem where it couldn't make save files. Oh, that's terrible. So he would just leave the window open constantly with his game paused and return to it later. He would leave his computer on constantly and cry when, the th- when a thunderstorm would make the power go out. Uh, this made him play the game a lot and become familiar with it with its in this very intimate way to the point that it was almost like a ritual or a pilgrimage of sorts. So his question is, what is your chrono trigger uh, with a game that really made you fall in love with video games and begin to appreciate them on a deeper level and realize the power they have as a medium? Kita, what is your answer to that? Well, I mean, I say this a lot and I probably talk, if you listen to Match 3 also, I've talked about this on there, but it was um, The World Ends With You. Uh, the mm. only game that I've logged over a hundred hours in just because not only do, did I just fall in love with the characters and was fascinated by the plot, but it made me understand why people want to be like mechanically good at video games because the gameplay is really riveting and thrilling and makes, makes my like heart pump in a way that other games don't. I mean, it, it's just something where I can just pick it up whenever I'm kind of bored and just dive right back into it and feel completely at home. I still, I still play that game on my old save. I'm still trying to get 100% completion, which is extremely hard, but 
I'm doing I love it. that game. That, so that's, good. Uh, that is uh, an example of a role-playing game that doesn't have to be fantasy or sci-fi. Like, it can exist in today's world. Yeah, it's great. It's about teenagers and fashion yeah, and, and making like friends. Fashion, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a, I, I keep saying that I like nice things where nice things happen. And it, that is that game. Like you go through a lot and it's kind of a dark premise, but the ultimate moral of the game is like making human connections is a good thing and you should do it. And um, that's a message I like to see from all media. And I'm happy that it said it so compellingly. Man, what a great game to bring up. Uh, it, that's a game that I, uh, I played a lot of as well. Um, I didn't fall in love with it to the extent you did, but I, it, it definitely made me yearn for more people attempting to create role-playing systems in contemporary times. I think that is such a cool thing. Like, yeah, you get a sweet shirt from a shop downtown and it gives you like plus one to something awesome like that. That's, that's a great idea. And it should be explored more by more different games. And we don't have to be in these same ruts all the time. We can explore those, those in different settings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I had a friend who grew up in Japan and, um, the area of the game that you're, they're playing, it's uh, Shibuya. And she heard I, you know, I heard me talking about it and she was like, hey, let me take a look at the like map because I want to see how accurate it is. And she was like, yeah, like this is so familiar to me. I remember all of these stores. This looks exactly like Shibuya. <laughs> and cool. I, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. I really liked um, whatever Pokemon it was that was based off of New York because I could immediately recognize different parts of the city. The like Brooklyn area was really like weird to go through, like playing in a video game version of Brooklyn. And I think there's a lot of things, a lot of human experiences that we should understand or like be encouraged to understand better. And like games are a really good way to understand them, to like understand the, the gamified aspects of our modern life. For sure. Yeah. Uh, some great responses in the, in the chat room. Um, it looks like uh, Inferno Cloud says Metal Gear Solid was what changed his world when it came to video games. So much freedom and so much cinematography. Um, uh, Jackals said uh, his was Wind Waker or Mother 3. Uh, some other cool ones. What about you, Christian? What is your A to this Q? Probably Metal Gear Solid. I remember I was going into high school and like I, you know, I'd saved up some money and my parents were going to help kick in a little bit because we had just moved. And this actually isn't, this is, I got a Saturn spoiler at the end of the story. But I remember thinking like, I'm going to go into high school. I'll probably get one more console and then never play video games again. <laughs> and I bought a Saturn and dove really deep into Virtual Fighter and that was it. But then you know, I think really did prove me a liar in that sentiment of I'm never going to play games again was later um, the next year or whatever when Metal Gear came out. And that was the first game in a long time. And then uh, Ocarina was around the same time. I would get up before school, like I would set an alarm at 5 a.m. to squeeze out more game time. And then it's just like, oh, crap, I'm hooked forever. <laughs> what's what's your uh, do you have a distinct I mean, you've been doing this for forever. Is, do you have a recent one, Jeff, or is it uh were you grabbed by the ghoulies early? I mean, I was definitely grabbed by the ghoulies. It's funny. My game is grabbed by the ghoulies, uh, <laughs> which was an Xbox first Xbox exclusive. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it a long time. I mean, I, I fell in love. This is so lame, but I fell in love with Pac-Man and, and games like that. But, but I think more to his question. So, I, you know, I was gaming from the birth of gaming, which is sad. Uh, but more to his question, the, the game, the first game that I remember opening my eyes to what video games could be was the bard's tale 
And I remember playing that on my dad's PC in his office. And my friend would come over and we'd have, you know, slumber party, just he and I, and we'd stay up way past our bedtime in my dad's office playing Bard's Tale and feeling like there was this entire city inside my dad's computer that we could walk around in and find things. And it was unexpected things. We had to manage this party and it was all text-based, you know, it was not all text-based, there was graphics, but uh, like all the combat system was like press F to fight or whatever, D for defend. Um, it was very simplistic, but but the Bard's Tale has a very, very close place to my heart because of those weekends and me realizing that the, that someone designed an entire complete universe inside this inside this computer and i got to wander around in it and who knows what wonders lurked behind every corner and to this day obviously as you hear me talking about the witcher and other games on the show i'm still enraptured by that feeling that feeling that that something has been designed to take me into a place that is unlike the place that i live in or allows me to do things that i couldn't do in places that are like the place i live in and that the the very nature of it being designed means that there are surprises waiting, that there are things placed uh, for me to discover. That to me is is the best part of gaming. And and yeah, I love Heroes of the Storm, and I love uh, games like that 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 don't have any of those aspects that are just you know fun and uh, I like Twitch based games. I like a whole variety of gaming, but the things that are closest to my heart because I think that very first experience solidified it are the ones that make me imagine what I might discover next and keep me playing and going down that rabbit hole. So great cue. Uh, thank you, Lucas. Again, you can send in your cues to get our A's by sending them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, it's almost tabletop time, but let me uh, let me thank... Our third and final sponsor, oh, you know, you've heard me talk about the Square Spache. Uh, Squarespace is the best place to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. It's so easy. Oh, my gosh. I've been using it. I've been using it for nigh on a decade. Uh, I have jeffcanada.com that was built and housed on squarespace.com and i use it because it's so simple it's so easy and it create you can create beautiful looking things with just a few clicks uh they have intuitive easy to use controls a tool set that is all what you see is what you get you drag and drop and state-of-the-art technology that powers your site to make sure that you always are secure and stable Millions of people trust Squarespace with some of the most respect, uh, respected brands, he said easily, in the world. Plus, it's inexpensive. Plans start at just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Every site comes with online commerce, so you can just drag and drop a, uh, a, a storefront onto your site if that's something that you need. And there's no credit card required to start your free trial. All you need to do is go to squarespace.com slash DLC, sign up, build your site, figure out if it's for you. If you want to, if you like it, then sign up for a year. That's the smartest thing to do because you'll get a free domain name. Uh, and you can use our promo code Jeff sent me and you get 10% off your first purchase. It shows support for our show also, which is why I appreciate that. You can Squarespace it up at squarespace.com slash DLC using that promo code Jeff sent me all one word. 
Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, let's move on and carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Gita, I understand that you have played one of my favorite two-player competitive games. You want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, so I moved into an apartment a month ago, and I'm still slowly unpacking all my things. And I finally unpacked my Netrunner box in the one expansion that I bought. Uh, I Yes. I, um, I played a little bit of Netrunner. I was, uh, it seemed... Like something I would love. I like cyberpunk stuff. I like uh, the idea of taking down horrible, evil corporations. Um, it seemed like a game that was basically made for me. And the little I've played of it, yeah, like it, it totally 100% is. Uh, the problem I'm running into, though, is that the only person I was, that would actually play with me was my ex-boyfriend. And then we broke up. So oh, no. I don't have anyone to play, play it with. But I do like, I'm still idly in my head going over like i need to i want to build i haven't built a deck yet i feel like that is the thing that's holding me back from like becoming a better player and understanding the mechanics of the game more innately and if you have any tips on like where to go or like how to formulate how to build out a deck that would be greatly appreciated Oh man, that that community is large and vibrant and uh, very helpful. The Android Netrunner players tend to be really awesome. I'll tell you the 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 people and the site that got me really into uh, it is um, the stand up and sit down guys. Um, mm-hmm. Oh great, Quinn's over there is like this proselytizer for Android Netrunner, and he's written several articles. Those guys have a unique ability of describing something and making me want to own every bit of it because they they really get to the feeling that something conjures. Um, if you guys don't know, Android Netrunner is a two-player game. It, it, it's sort of similar to Magic. It's designed by the same uh, designer uh, as Magic. And it is an asynchronous – excuse me, I always do that – asymmetrical – asymmetrical two-player card game where uh, you play two different factions and uh, they play very, very differently from each other. So it's really interesting. You can decide which side you want to play, the the hackers or the uh, the corporations, and you can build decks in, in various ways, and there's a bunch of expansions uh, to the game, but it's not quite a collectible game like Magic is. Um, but man, is it ever deep, interesting, and skillful. There, the the rabbit hole you can go down of building the right deck of playing it competitively is, uh, is really, really cool. Again, this is called Android Netrunner, Uh, the card game it's uh fantasy flight, I think publishes it. Um, I have not, I've not gone down quite as far down the rabbit hole on that game as I have others, but uh, I definitely have peered over the lip of the rabbit hole and looked down and gone, Oh my, I could get very, very into this. Uh, and people, people have, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Alchemy, which I don't think I ever talked about on this show. It's a game I was really excited about. C- Christian, when you and I played the XCOM board game, uh, we were both excited because it had that integration with the app. So it had uh, this digital component to it. Alchemy is the other game that came out around the same time last year, the year before, that also uh, integrated an app into the tabletop experience. And I think the way that Alchemy uses the app is even superior to XCOM's because Alchemy is this game where you play as a bunch of wizards. This Side note, 
this episode is very thematic because I keep bringing up fantasy things and, and Gita keeps bringing up uh, sci-fi things. So it's very, very <laughs> um, but uh, so to stay consistent, uh, it, you play as a bunch of wizards and um, you are competing to come up with the most potent potions, be they healing potions or mana potions or other kinds of weird potions, poison that you can unintentionally poison yourself. But you're concocting these potions and the way you're doing that is that you have a whole bunch of ingredients. You know, you've got Eye of Newt and uh, Crow's Foot and all these crazy wizard concoction components. And uh, you don't know what any of them does. And each game that you play, what they do is randomized uh, by the app, which is pretty cool. And uh, the way you start figuring out what stuff does is you mix together these components and create potions and drink them. And see what happens. So you have some options. You can drink it yourself or you can get your little uh, assistant to drink it and see what happens to him. Sometimes he keels over and dies. Uh, but you know what? Better than you keeling over and dying, I suppose. <laughs> um, so you have various options of how you can test these out. And once you get a potion that is very powerful or does, or, or you figure out exactly what it does, you can publish your results and get points. So you're trying to become the first one to publish or to create, and you can start selling these potions and get money to let you do other things. Lots of options uh, once you create the potions, but the figuring out of what happens when you combine different components is really the heart of the game. And it's this massive matrix of deduction. So you're combining things, seeing what happens, and uh, and, and recording the results so that you can figure out, okay, well, if I put that with that, that means that does this and that does that. So if I put that with something else, now I know exactly what this is going to do. It's a series of deductions that you're making. And the cool thing is everybody has their phone out with the app on it and you can take a picture of the components that you're combining and they, the app will tell you what has happened in the combination of what potion you created. So you can keep that information secret. It's just on your phone and you, and you literally take a picture of the cards and it tells you what happened and it's all, everybody's linked into the same game so that that's consistent, but it's randomized every time you play. So you never know until you've deducted, uh, deduced it. Excuse me. Very, very amazing. cool. Yeah. So oh. the bad news is it's super dense. This is one of those games that I really like, but I think I will probably never get a chance to play because it is so daunting to people that there aren't very many people in my life that are down to play it because it's massive. And you when you lay out this ma this matrix to people of like, okay, here are all the components, here are all the different uh, ingredients that you can try out, and here's this massive uh, triangular document that you record what does what with what uh people go i you know they it, it it it's even worse than most of the board games that i try on people which are you know complicated also um i, I would love to play with more people i just don't i don't know if it was worth buying because it's it's so big and so intimidating i think and i happen to really like deduction games but Deduction games on this scale, I think, are – they don't sound like fun to a lot of people. <laughs> so I don't know. Again, that's called Alchemists. Somebody going to say something? It's rewarding in the understanding. You know what I mean? Like it's hard because – yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is like the game to invite me over to play next, Jeff. 
<laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, sadly. If you can break down that wall and get into it, you know, I think that's why for so long geekdom and stuff was is so highly regarded because we spent our lives breaking down that barrier and being like, no, we understand this and this is that and this is that and this is that and everything is this and it all makes sense. And then now finally starting to become mainstream where you don't need to understand everything. That being said, I think Marvel's doing something interesting where they're that universe is getting dense again. That film universe is getting dense. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, but there's great things in, in dense packages. That's a famous saying, right? Yeah, I, so I think, think that's the things people say. <laughs> I think what we've learned is that uh, I'm all about fantasy worlds. Gita's all about cyberpunk worlds. And Christian's all about bringing up superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the games like Alchemy, like the benefit of like paper, physical card games like this is that Things like funny little house rules you can add to these games do break down those barriers really easily. And that's possible in a physical space more so than it is in a digital space where things are delineated and created for you and can't be broken as easily. Like I was able to finish a game of the Game of Thrones card uh, board game because we decided whenever you make a negotiation with someone, you have to pour them a glass of wine. And then we all got really drunk. And that was (laughs) Usually that leads to not finishing a game in my experience. <laughs> we all got really, really into the role playing because we we're all just like furiously pouring each other glasses of wine to make negotiations, everything. It was, it was amazing. I have a funny story about that game. Uh, I was at a PAX Prime um, uh, years ago with the, uh, the Totally Rad show. And um, PAX Prime has this awesome game room where you can rent out games. And we decided we were going to spend some time playing a board game. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys, they have the, that game that's based on that book series that I love. And they're, the guys are like, that eh, sounds dumb. I don't want to play that. That sounds stupid. Cut to, you know, a few years later, there's a TV show. And now everybody's like, hey, Jeff, have you played that uh, Game of Thrones board game? I'm like, I wanted to play that two years ago with you guys. Weirdly, I had the same experience as explaining to middle school girls that Johnny Depp is hot. and then. Parts of the Caribbean came out. They're like, did you know Johnny Depp is hot? I was like, I told you that like a month ago. You didn't believe me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he always just looked like a, a weird clown boy who dressed up like Willy Wonka. I didn't understand. <laughs> I guess that was after. Yeah, that was now he's a garbage monster. But back in the day, when I, was- <laughs> <laughs> I think actually his next role is garbage monster and he's designing the costume himself. Oh, of course. He's just going to show up on set as, as himself. No acting involved. <laughs> Easiest paycheck ever made. Uh, um, uh, Acorn uh, Aho says that he played Civilization Five for the first time last night, and it feels so table timey. Uh, yes, there is a uh, tabletop top game of Civilization that is actually very good, but also also very big and complex and cool. But I own it, and it's cool. And it's another one of those games that I can't bring out very often because people are like, "Wait, it takes how many hours to play it? Oh, uh, four <laughs> or five? Uh, really, I got better things to do with my day. So anyway, um, all right, guys, let's wrap up this episode. <clears throat> this has been really fun having you on, Gita. I really appreciate it. I've been having a blast. It's been freaking awesome. Very cool. Well, we do have a parting gift to give the people coming up. But first, why don't you tell folks where they can keep up with you if they are so inclined? Well, I am on Twitter at XOXOGossipGita, and you can... Find most of my writing on Paste, uh, Paste.com. I write for the game section. I also have something, a long editorial coming out about Superman that I'm working on. And I hopefully, I wrote something about the uh, book and TV show, John the Strange and Mr. Norrell. And hopefully you'll be seeing that soon too. It ended up being about, have you read that, Jeff? 
I read that book years ago when it first came out, um, and I did not like the book very much, but I just watched the first episode of the TV show, and I think I might be into the TV show more than I was into the book, which is odd. They make some shortcuts in the last episode that I'm, like, not the biggest fan of, but overall, it's a really, really good adaptation, and, like, everything is basically perfect, but... I, I wrote something about Stephen Black, that character, and my, my dad, who is a, an activist. Uh, he was a like, group in Selma, Alabama, and there's like a lot of parallels that freaked me out and made me sad and then happy. Uh, so that, hopefully, it took me a very long time to write, so hopefully I'm getting paid for it and you can see it soon. <laughs> and that'll be on Paste as well, or no? Um, it, I, I don't want to count my chickens about this. I might try to... Oh, okay. Yeah, so just, you'll see it. If you follow, follow you on Twitter, Twitter, you'll see it, yes. Awesome. Uh, Christian, you and I are performing tomorrow night at Nerd Melt. Uh, what else have you got going on? Yes, sir. I am at Spicer on Twitter. Uh, this Thursday, I will be at the San Jose Improv with Dean Del Rey and Brian Redban. Um, people that listen to Death Squad shows, come on out. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, I do a silly, dumb podcast with Stuart Noct, who is Wombat from Cheap Ass Gamer, called Uninformed Opinions. And um, you can find that on iTunes. And then Dean Del Rey and I also do a podcast on all things comedy called Bitchin' that is recorded live on Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific where you can call in. And we, we basically talk about whatever. And then when people call in, we dive into that uh, and, you know, talk as long as you want. So that's Tuesdays at 2.30. Follow me on Twitter. We'll tweet the number um, before we go live. Mr. Kanata, what, uh, what's popping in your neighborhood? Oh, man, I got a busy month coming up. Uh, it is, uh, again, tomorrow night we'll be performing. And then this weekend, I'm going to be at the Nerdtacular, which is in uh, Utah. We'll be doing a live We Have Concerns there. And then we're going to Podcast Method, which is in Dallas, I believe. Uh, so that's a busy weekend. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. Uh, and then, you know, you can listen to We Have Concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. And you can listen to the Slash Filmcast. We have an episode about Trainwreck coming up uh, this week, I believe, and then Mission Impossible next week. So that's at SlashFilmcast.com. Uh, and then, we, you know, we're going to PAX. As I said at the top, we're doing a live DLC at PAX, and we're also doing a live We Have Concerns at PAX. So uh, lots of stuff to look forward to if you want to see me live, which is really fun. Love seeing guys that, and gals that come out and say hi. We appreciate that very, very much. We also appreciate your... Your nice words on the platform of your choice, like iTunes, if you want to give us a five-star review there, it does it does help with discoverability of the show. So that's cool. Okay, guys, let's wrap the show up and give the people a parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Gita, do you have a suggestion of people get through their week that might not be a video game? A hundred percent I do. I've almost watched every single episode of the anime Gotchaman Crowds, and I'm super in love with it. And I think everyone should watch it, and they will probably all really like it. Um, it's like an Gotchaman up- Crowds. Is that Gotchaman that- Crowds. Yeah. Okay. It is what, is, an- what is it? I don't know it. It's an update of a 1970s anime that um, super weird, sort of like a um, kind of like a mecha thing, but more it's like they wear power suits. That version was about... Uh, Secretly, not so secretly, about environmentalism. So the big villain that they were fighting was trying to steal all of the world's resources. Um, but the updated 2015 version is actually a really interesting and nuanced critique of uh, like the sharing economy and internet culture. 
um, like there's a, a really big subplot where uh, a person is trying to take down the, the Gotcha Man crew by creating an app that would fundamentally replace them. Uh, and it's the most interesting comment on that kind of stuff. And it's weird that this is coming from an anime aimed at uh, sad nerds, but <laughs> I'm really in favor of it. Also, the music is really good. Very like, like 1970s Japanese television show inspired. I love it. It's beautiful to watch too. I've watched all gotcha the man in two days. Crowds. Yes. Uh, first season's on Hulu. Second season is currently airing, but it's uh, simulcast on Crunchyroll. Cool. Very yeah. cool recommendation. Love it. Uh, Christian, what about you? What's uh, your parting gift? There's an article on the Houston Press, where I am originally from, I guess in the Houston Press, also online. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that the things that they're, the, the arguments they're making in it are necessarily true, and you need to believe those. That's not what I'm saying. Their larger point, I am saying, is true. And maybe it, it fancies the former attorney in me or um, the concerned citizen to steal something from another popular podcast um, in me. But there's an article on Houston Press, and it is called, Yes, Your Opinion Can Be Wrong. And then the subheading is, No, It's Not Your Opinion, You're Just Wrong. And it's a really interesting examination of where in today's culture we've gone with people ending arguments, not even arguments, discussions or debates um, with just, well, that's my opinion or, well, that's just what I believe. And it's hard to break through that. And I think it's interesting in today's day and age where it's really easy to fall into your own echo chamber and not experience other sides, other opinions, other thoughts, and then just the overuse of the term opinion or belief and more times than not, when people say something is their opinion, it's not an opinion. <laughs> it might be a correct fact. It might be a wrong fact, but it's an interesting read and it's at HoustonPress.com. Yes, your opinion can be wrong. Yeah, I retweeted this article this week as well. I think it should be read by all humans. So if you are human, I suggest reading it. It is, it is uh, great. Um, mine's a little different. So I have... Um, had a chair that I use as my main gaming chair, my main computer sitting chair uh, for a long time. It was a hand-me-down from my wife's parents, uh, and it, 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 it was going, going south fast. It was uh, shredding itself as I sat in it. Ugh, it was, it was bad. And so I kind of got a little ambitious and wanted to find a, a really good chair and went a little crazy and splurged on a Herman Miller Aeron chair, which is sort of like the Rolls Royce of chairs, I guess, of office desk chairs. Uh, and I found on Craigslist, I don't know how shady, I don't know. I, I did it on <laughs> Craigslist, guys. Uh, I found like a used one uh, for very, very, very less expensive than, than they actually go for. But uh, it arrived yesterday. I'm sitting in it now. And I got to say, it's more than I've ever spent on any piece of office furniture in my life uh I, I spent 340 bucks on it which is like they go for like eight or nine hundred in the store did you get um, a chair or just a guy named aaron that you sit on for a couple hours a day uh just a guy you're, you're doing all right <laughs> down there right aaron yeah i'm, I'm all cool man uh no um <laughs> it's uh it's pretty darn cool it's pretty darn comfortable i gotta say i'm very impressed um very very expensive and and i feel almost feel guilty spending that much on a, on a chair but like i spent a lot of time in my chair man just the hours i play uh, heroes of the storm alone i deserve a good chair so i treated myself and um i'm, I'm happy with the results so 
Eh, there you go. I thought I'd bring it up. thought I'd mention it. Herman Miller, Aaron Chair. I will keep you updated. One day in feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Man, that was a fun one. I appreciate everybody uh, who hung out in the chat room. Thanks, guys, for making solid additions to the show. We really appreciate that. Thanks to Gita Jackson and Christian Spicer. Thanks to all the folks at 5x5 for producing the show. We appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. Oh, my gosh. We couldn't do it without you. We appreciate you downloading the show. Maybe telling your friends about it as well. Hope to see you at our live appearance at PAX and maybe even tomorrow night. Until we talk to you again next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 